0: Greetings urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here and welcome to the 739th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today's special episode is my monthly radio show that I do with Rosie on the house in Phoenix and we're talking about backyard Livestock with Kari Spencer with the Micro Farm Project. Enjoy.
1: Welcome,
2: Welcome to, the to the broadcast. broadcast. Hey. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house, your weekend wake up tradition.
0: Farm living is the
2: life for me. Come on around back Arizona, it's Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, it's Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition since 1988, and you're following along in our homeowner handbook, you today with Farmer Greg of the Urban Farm, we're talking backyard chickens, and Farmer Greg, welcome to broadcast again. Thank you, thank you. And you have brought with you a returning guest. I have, we have Kari Spencer of the Microfarm
0: Project here with us in studio, And she is the author of the City Farming Book and the Vegetable Gardening Journal, which we'll talk about a little later on, and helped us start the Great American Seed Up program that we started a few years ago and just all around a longtime friend of mine.
1: Welcome, Kari. Thank you, it's good to be here.
0: Yes, yes, and so we're gonna be talking actually backyard animals, but we usually, when people think about that, we start with chickens.
2: And it's funny you say that when we were talking about it this week, somebody's like, so backyard animals, like what? What would walk through your backyard, like javelinas and coyotes? I'm like, well, not necessarily that. You could attract those things by having animals if you're not, don't have the proper setup. But no, we're talking like farm animals that you can have in your backyard in the city legally.
1: Yeah, and you put them there on purpose. They don't just wander in, right? (laughs) Yeah, and you can have different food sources right there in your backyard other than vegetables, which everybody can grow, but you can also have some animals.
2: And we're going to start with chickens, like Farmer Greg said, easiest and probably one of the hardest working.
0: Yeah. Kari, why don't you tell us about what chickens do in your yard?
1: Well, chickens are the ultimate compost assistance. I have to say that I have gone times without chickens, and I really miss the compost for the gardens because you can throw your vegetable scraps to them and they turn it into soil which is really amazing yeah
0: yeah absolutely i'm a big 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 proponent if you have a backyard you should have some chickens and just on a little bit of a side note apparently chandler recently approved chickens you couldn't in the past have chickens in chandler or glendale so now we just got glendale to go
2: and it's so funny because both of those Cities were so much agriculture and farming. How they ever got a chicken restriction in those towns is... Beyond me. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. There are some places in Glendale where you can have them, but you have to be in the specific areas that are zoned for it. But I'm really glad that the cities are, are loosening up on the restrictions, especially considering the price of eggs right now. Having them in your backyard is not just convenient, but it also, it's essentially free you have to feed and house them but you get your eggs every day
2: and after you have get used to having your own eggs and you go somewhere else and it's like this this doesn't look like an egg it's it's like yellow the eggs we're used to are like golden right and the yolk is super thick and creamy and it's like these are like thin and runny and like what what? these aren't eggs where
1: are these yeah there's definitely (laughs) a difference
0: right yeah so let's start by talking about what a chicken does in our yard, because they don't just give us eggs, do they, Kari?
1: No, I mentioned composting, but they also are really good in in the garden with within reason. Don't leave them in there all day. But if you let some chickens loose on your property for a little while, they will take care of pests. One big one here is scorpions. They're oh, yes, they're sir. pretty good at taking care of the scorpions on the property. So they're good to have around for that. And
2: before we get to that, let's let's back up with acquiring chickens. Do you buy them as little tiny hatchlings that are a couple of days old, or do you wait and get them? Because they're they're I don't know right now, but you know they're probably still less than five bucks. Like you said, with the price of eggs, that that price might have jumped. But then you can go get a mature one for like thirty bucks.
1: Right, and I haven't looked at the prices these days to know if that still holds true, but I I really prefer to get the little ones because they're so cute and they're also will acclimate to you. You can handle them and they get used to you holding them and they don't run from you as much as an older chicken will. However, you have to provide some special equipment for those little baby chicks and you have to feed them for quite a while before they start to give you eggs
2: which is usually about six months and the good thing about it is it's not expensive to feed them
1: (laughs) no they're so tiny they don't eat they don't eat a whole lot until they start getting bigger but some people do like to start right away with what we call point of lay hens where they're just getting to the point where they're about to start laying eggs and If you do it that way, you don't have to have all the brooder equipment for the babies. You can just go straight to having a coop for them, and they will lay for you a lot faster. And you know for sure whether they're a hen or a rooster, which is pretty much guaranteed when you buy a chick, but it's not 100% guaranteed.
2: And that's from a a, a hatchery. I have bought them from a home grower before, specifically the Buckeye breed of chicken just to try something we've tried all kinds of breeds just to just for fun and we actually have a strategy now where every six months we'll get a different breed that way we know when the barred rocks it it, it helps us track their age and we know about the time they're going to stop being a regular layer but this private seller he raised himself so we bought 24 knowing that we were going to have some roosters in there just because the He's not a professional, and they're not what they call sexted. I think we ended up with 21 of the 24 were roosters. (laughs) Oh, my gosh.
1: What are the odds of that? That's not usual. It's usually more around (laughs) 50-50. Yeah, Yeah, but I guess you can always use chickens for meat as well if you end up in that situation, if that's what you want to do. But uh, most people prefer to buy them where they're – they're closely guaranteed whether it's going to be a hen or a rooster
2: and there's a lot of places pet store feed store tax store generally sells chicks you have to find out when they get delivered because right now i know one of your favorites greg is the western ranchman and last time i was yeah. there which was just a week or two ago and they they get 100 every thursday and they're like and if you're not here in line waiting they're generally gone by noon (laughs) wow good for them
1: yes yes that's a dangerous place to be for me in the spring because they're they're so cute
0: you you mentioned point of lay i just want to say there's a caveat with with older hens you need to make sure a point of lay hen is generally five to seven months old So you need to make sure if you are getting an adult hen that it is an actually a laying hen. Sometimes people will sell hens that are beyond their laying just to get rid of them. That's a caveat. Make sure that you're actually getting a teenage hen. And generally you can look at the hen and see, do they look like a fresh hen or do they look like they've had years on them? Making sure that you get the right one that way is really important.
1: That's right.
2: Now do you guys have breeds that you prefer?
1: Well I like barred rocks. They're not a huge bird but they, they still have some weight to them. I like leghorns. They lay really well. There are so many breeds that and I'm kind of a chicken collector that it's really hard to say what I like the most because I really I love them all. I like I even like those really strange Polish ones that <laughs> look like Phyllis Diller. But mm-hmm. uh, they're not the most prolific layers, like like a barred rock is a very reliable egg layer, but they're fun to have around. So it kind of depends on what you are looking for. If you're looking for a, a bird that can serve as a meat bird when she stops laying, then you want to buy the, the bigger breeds. If you just want a really reliable layer that won't eat too much for the amount of eggs that she gives you, then something like a leghorn is is a good choice.
0: On the transitioning them, so our hens are pets, so we don't do that with them, transition them to the pot. But a few years ago, I actually raised some meat birds. It's a different breed of bird. And they go from chick to plate in about eight weeks. So this is something that you can do if you wanna explore that. That's what I did, I explored it. And during my time when I was butchering some some of the meat birds, one of my hens, laying hens went lame and she couldn't walk anymore. So I put her out of her misery and butchered her and cleaned her. And it was amazing. Her breasts on the laying bird were the size of a quarter Whereas the breasts on <laughs> on the meat birds were something like you would expect in the grocery store. So just just a heads up about that. H- laying hens are not, they're, they're usually called, put them in the pot birds.
2: And that doesn't apply, that apply. necessarily to just chickens either. My neighbor was raising Thanksgiving turkeys and we thought, oh, well, we'll buy one from him. And we got it, he brought it over and I looked at him like, this looks more like a, the size of a pheasant. We have a very big family at Thanksgiving. I'm, you know, th- this isn't a 20-serving 20, 20 bird here.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. When you raise them yourself, they don't get as big
2: so chickens 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 now I had interrupted you as going into all the functions that chickens do in our yard for she mentioned composting Greg you mentioned insect control but there is more and we're going to get to all of those but of all the things we can do here at Rosie on the house we can't stop the clock hang tight In our Urban Farm Hour with Farmer Greg and Kari Spencer of CityFarmingBook.com, we were talking about chickens and the uses for them, and before we continue that, we were talking on the break that, Greg, you wanted to step back one more and take a, a more of a bird's-eye view, a higher bird's-eye view, about permaculture and stacking functions and the holistic system that we're setting up here.
0: In permaculture, we have something called stacking functions, and let's just step back from that a minute. Permaculture, I like to call the art and science of working with nature. So how do we work in the flow and the flowability of natural systems? So when I'm designing a landscape from a permaculture perspective, I'm looking to see how how nature can just be nature in my yard. And one of the things that we talk a lot about in permaculture is called stacking functions. And stacking functions is the concept where we have one Asset, And in this case, we'll call the asset a chicken. And it does many things for us. So we already talked about they eat bugs and they eat weeds and they give us eggs. What else do we get from a chicken, Kari?
1: Well, this is one of my favorite things about permaculture, the stacking functions. Because if you get creative and you start thinking it through, really, you can come up with so many more things that a chicken can do. If you just sit down and look at a chicken and how they behave naturally and make use of that. Because chickens do not like to be bored. They're very, very busy. They're always doing something. So they love treats. And so if I'm in my kitchen and I'm making a salad and I have those end pieces, I will give them to the chicken. They see them as a treat. I see it as I don't have something to throw away now. It reduces waste. And they turn it into compost, which is really great. They help with aerating my garden. So if I have a garden that is at the end of the season and there's aphids or something in it and I want to get rid of them, I'll let those chickens loose in there and they will aerate the soil. They will take care of all the bugs. They will eat all the old dead, maybe diseased plants and take care of them for me and turn those into fertilizer, right, as well. So they're just really fantastic to have around they do so many things they're really fun to have around as well their feathers are good for fertilizer so you can compost those feathers or even just bury them in your yard and other parts of the bird are good for fertilizer as well
0: you've mentioned a couple of things about them being fun Uh Heidi raises chicks from day-old chicks and regularly the When she goes out to the chicken coop, we don't have any chickens right now, but when we were in Phoenix, she would go out to the chicken coop and they will jump up on her shoulder and come and hang out with her and hug her. And they're very friendly if you raise them that way.
1: Yeah. My daughter even had a rooster who would put his head on her shoulder and let her carry him around (laughs) like a baby. Only her though, nobody else. (laughs) And my kids got an income because they would help to take care of other people's property when they go away, and they would sell eggs, and that's another function of having a chicken around as a actually a source of income, which right now, selling eggs is a pretty good, <laughs> pretty good deal. My niece sold me some eggs for $8 for a dozen, right? So <laughs> my own niece.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, we paid $9 <laughs> for
2: organic eggs at the
0: farmer's market the
2: other day. Yeah. Oh, so you got a deal.
1: I got a bargain <laughs> from her, <Yeah>. yes. <laughs> no, we could
2: example. probably spend the whole hour talking about chickens, or at least I could. I mean, they are a must-have in my mind. You've got to be able to protect them at night. We let ours roam all day, and they've got their coop, and they tuck themselves in bed, and in the morning when the sun comes up, they come on out, and they are have figured out how to fly over. We have a chain-link fence in the coop, and they've got a spot that they just kind of hop up on top of these pallets and then they fly over and come down And at night they hop back up and fly back in. they take care of themselves
1: yeah they do they don't really want you messing with them too much right and they do put themselves to bed at night now you have a big property right so you can let your birds loose but in if you have a small property you might not want to let them loose all day (laughs) and what we did is we just let them loose in the late afternoon and they would run around for an hour or two, and then they would put themselves to bed. And I didn't have to try to corral them back to the coop. So that worked there's really one, well.
0: There's one huge caveat with this. If they get in your garden and you have plant starts in there, they will do away with your plant starts.
1: Like any <laughs> bird will, yes.
0: <laughs> yes. So make sure that you keep them out of your gardens.
2: And, and like Hari said, she will let them in, but that's at the end of the lifespan. They kind of let them do the cleanup and the insect. Control and kind of get, help you get re established for the next planting season. Yeah.
0: Yes. Don Titmus has four garden beds, four large garden beds on his property. He's out in Mesa. And each quarter, he moves his chicken coop from one to the next. So that they're for a quarter, for three months, they're digging, weeding, leaving manure behind. And then he moves it the next month and plants that garden bed.
2: The crop rotation. There you go. Alright, well we've covered chickens fairly well. I know there. we could, again, sp- spend the other half hour, but there's other backyard animals we'll be talking about here in the Urban Farm Hour with Farmer Greg and Carrie Spencer. Taking care of livestock <laughs> Taking care of
0: livestock
2: Continuing our conversation about backyard animals and i said we were moving on from chickens and farmer greg said wait right i got a couple important points we gotta hit before we jump to the next animal so go ahead farmer greg great so the number one is the myths about roosters
0: roosters only crow at sunrise is number one myth that is not true they crow 24 7 and they're not legal in most municipalities to keep them i think if you're in phoenix you need to have an acre the other myth about them is you need a rooster to get eggs, and that is not true at all. So you can have a flock of hens in your backyard, and you'll get all the nice eggs you want.
2: But you will have to rebuy those hens at the point they're done laying or the the end of their life because without the rooster, you don't have a fertilized egg. That's the only reason you would keep a rooster is if you're trying to keep your flock going. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I've found that at the urban farm, I kept hens there for 20 years, and regularly we would get five- and six-year-old hens still laying. So they'll lay for quite a while. The thing about that is, though, when they start laying, the eggs are smaller and you get more eggs. As they age, the eggs get larger, but you get them less often. And then the other thing that we really need to say is that you need to build a predator-proof coop the urban farm is at 16th street in glendale in that neighborhood and about five or six years ago we had a bobcat come in our backyard and kill 11 of our hens and that's right in the middle of phoenix so if you're going to build a coop you need to make sure that it is predator proof for the predators that are in your neighborhood and javelinas raccoons bobcats coyotes they will all take out hens if if they're not protected
2: predator proof absolutely if you build it they will come so have a safe place for them to stay and most of those are nighttime predators so really don't have much to worry about during the day if they're small enough maybe an occasional hawk here and there but for the most part it's just making sure they're secure at night Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and chicken wire is for chickens it will not keep a bobcat (laughs) out. So you want to use some hardware cloth, some welded wire, hardware cloth that's stronger to keep even dogs out. If you have dogs that aren't used to the chickens and might want to get into that coop, they'll just tear right through chicken wire.
0: Yeah, chicken wire is not for chicken coops. I don't know what you would use it for, (laughs) but you do not use it for chicken coops. You use hardware cloth and welded wire fencing with a top. Got it. One of the the lessons I learned at the urban farm, I used the welded wire fencing and it had holes in it that were two inches by four inches and rats could get in and sparrows and small birds could get in. So I agreed with myself when I build my chicken coop here, we're using hardware cloth that have holes in it that are a centimeter by a centimeter and (laughs) so that's going to keep all those critters out. Let's talk about things other than chickens. What else can you keep on your urban farm, Kari?
1: Well, there really are a lot of options. One of the favorite things that people like to keep in their backyard if they have enough space is a goat. Goat milk is delicious. And a lot of people who have allergy to cow's milk can tolerate goat milk, especially if it's raw. Goats are becoming more and more popular for people to keep in their yard.
2: But unlike a chicken, that goat won't milk itself that's an ongoing job
1: <laughs> that's right every day they don't go to the brooder and lay bottle of milk no so you have to milk them every day and some people like to get a lot of milk so they will milk twice a day in the morning and at night on our farm we milk them every day but only in the morning because i didn't need gallons and gallons of milk but if you don't continue to milk them then they will stop producing milk and the only way to make them start producing milk again is for them to have a baby goat which then you have to deal with a baby goat which to me is not a problem because they're so cute but how many goats do you want to have and what do you do with a baby goat once you have it
2: and the mama goat will Produce enough milk for the baby and for you as well. You don't have to worry about depriving the baby of of not getting enough milk. Like you said, some people milk twice a day. When they get milk, they immediately start reproducing, and it's very quick.
1: Right. They will meet the demand. Sometimes a mama goat will have four babies, right? She can feed those just as well as a mama goat who has one baby. But at some point...
2: Mama needs a break.
1: (laughs) Yeah. At some point, every dough is going to go out of milk and then she will need to have a baby but you can extend that time by being very consistent in your milking and there's lots of great things to do with goat milk so it's not really a problem you can make cheese you can just drink that raw milk there there are many things to do
2: make a chocolate
1: make yeah the fudge we were talking about goat milk fudge and how delicious that is
2: Now, talk about breeds, because unlike chickens, virtually all of them will lay and and lay good for you, unless it's one of those specific bred for meat birds like Farmer Greg was talking about. Well, you can get a goat that will not be a good milk producer for human consumption. I mean, they they can get so small. One, it's hard to (laughs) milk a a little tiny pygmy goat.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like a little pygmy goat, I suppose. But there are also bigger breeds. But I don't have much experience with the bigger ones. I always like to have the, the little, little ones.
2: <clears throat> What's the ones with the little tiny ears that don't really?
1: Anchurion. Uh, yeah.
2: We had two of those. And they are a bigger breed. And <clears throat> we found a guy that built metal goat racks that we would hold their head and put sweet feed in their form in the morning. they just eat while, <clears throat> while we milked them. And those two, we would get over. A gallon and a half every morning that i milked i mean we had so much we couldn't consume it and we were even giving it away and still it just when you have it that consistently that much you don't realize how far a gallon of milk can really go
1: yeah there's so much abundance to it and it's not a bad problem to have to have too much milk it's a really great problem to have and
2: and like you said cheese i had started kind of perfecting or learning and teaching myself how to make cheese When, if you start doing that, then you realize, no, I need a lot of milk. It's amazing how much milk it takes to make cheese. <laughs>
1: That's right, because only a certain amount of that actually ends up cheese, and the rest is just whey, which you can do other things with. But I have learned that if you are very consistent every day with your routine of milking, it gets easier. At first, it might be a little challenging because goats don't necessarily want you to milk them if they're not used to it. But if you're consistent in, in doing the same routine every day, eventually they just will do it. My goats even learned the, the rotation, who was first, who was second, who was third. Wow. And they would walk themselves to the stand. You really have to have very good pens for them because when they're not being milked and they're not eating or sleeping, all they do all day is look for a way out.
2: And when they get out, they usually go and eat the most expensive thing you have, or they strip the bark off your nicest tree, or knock over your plant, a pot with your favorite plant in it that you, it was a gift from that you've been keeping alive for twenty years, and eat it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what they do. So you want to have those hardware cloth fences. You want them tall.
2: <laughs> now, if you only have one chicken, it'll keep itself busy. But that's one other thing about goat. You don't want to have just one. They, they are not an animal that does well by itself.
1: No, they're herd animals. So having two is good. And if you don't want two goats to milk, some people will have what they call a weather, which is a male goat that can't reproduce. And so that goat will help to protect the female and be friends with the female. You don't have to milk him. <laughs> yeah.
2: Just a companion. They, they need that. Just a that.
1: companion. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah
2: and you only need two. I mean, they you, you could have more and a lot of people just like everything in gardening or farming it's like uh, that you get one and you got to get two and you got to get three. The beginning stage it becomes it can snowball very quickly.
1: Yes it can. It, it's it's so fun that you start you can easily go go overboard. So a little planning at the beginning to to know exactly how many you're going to have at any given time and how you're going to house them and just get get that planning in advance so that you don't end up with a zoo in your backyard.
0: Which well, is, this, is, this is some really important points here. Making sure that you, first of all, if you've never kept goats or chickens or really any other animals, making sure that you know what has to happen. Make sure that you have the infrastructure in place, the coops in place, the runs in place, the fences in place, to have that done beforehand. Don't run out and get three or four or five chicks without your chicken coop built.
2: All right, we've got one final segment coming up with Cary Spencer of CityFarmingBook.com and Farmer Greg at UrbanFarm.org. Talking backyard animals. As always, Farmer Greg, we're getting down to the end of the one hour broadcast, and we're we going to focus on top priorities of what's left here.
0: Well, so let's talk about zoning regulations and HOAs for that matter. You need to know in your city, town, or or your HOA whether you can keep animals in your backyard. And from a city or town perspective, you want to go to the neighborhood services department and just ask, what livestock can I keep in my backyard? And they'll tell you HOAs are a little bit different. You just have to check in with your HOA and see what they say. Most HOAs are going to say no to backyard livestock, but you don't know until you ask.
2: So those are two really important things to kind of delve into. And one more thing you need to check as well is if you're not in a city, if you're on a county property, a little more rural, there would be what's called CCNRs, codes, covenances and restrictions like our area mm-hmm. in Whitman. You can't have, I think it's like six horses per acre. It, is is the limit so if you wanted more than six horses you obviously got to buy more acres than that and there's a couple other ones that i can't really remember just because they didn't apply to us but check your ccnr's if you're in a moving to a rural area as well and car you had mentioned raising quail and these aren't the native quail that they're called gamble quail one of three that's we have in the state but gamble is what is in and around tucson and phoenix and we're not talking about Herding those in and putting them in an aviary and getting your start start egging them from there. These are quail that are specifically bred and bought. It's, it's a different breed altogether,
1: right? And if you're interested in looking into it, you can Google Japanese quail or coturnix, C O T U R N I X, and that's two names for the same animal, right? And they're they're little birds, and they often will get around. Regulations. If you can't have chickens but you want to have eggs, they're so small and they live in a cage. They do not free range. They have to stay in a cage or they will disappear on you. Right. And so just like other pet birds, if you can have a pet bird, you can have a coturnix quail. And you'll want to have at least two or three because they like to be together. But they don't need much space.
2: And then also on the list, you've got turkeys, ducks, and quail. All right, we already mentioned turkey ducks and geese. Have you ever had any experience with those? I know they're, I've seen them in properties, but like from what I understand, a goose will only lay one egg a year. I'm like, why have this thing around? One egg a year?
1: <laughs> I don't know about geese. I have not had those, but I have had turkeys and I have had ducks and they're opposite of the tiny quail. They're bigger and they need more space. But if you are wanting to do a meat bird, You get a lot more bang for your buck with a turkey or a duck than you would with a chicken just because of their size, right? So if you process them, you get more meat for every bird. And their eggs are bigger as well. They have a slightly different taste from a chicken egg, a little bit gamier, but I didn't really notice that much difference. But you can crack one of those turkey eggs, and it's like the size of three chicken eggs, yep. which is yep. great, especially if you're baking. it says three eggs, just one turkey egg, right? And they, they're they a little bit more challenging than chickens to have, but well worth it if you have the space and the inclination.
2: Now, when you're talking space and eggs, another one is if you've ever held an ostrich egg. And there are there's an ostrich farm, and at one time, and over 100 years ago, they had tried to bring ostrich ranchers into Arizona and it just didn't work out how much space do you need for an ostrich
1: oh I don't know I don't know
2: question a lot a lot big mean animal what about peacocks they're they're pretty to look at but man Talk about an annoying bird to have around.
1: They're loud. They're very loud, as are guinea hens. Guinea hens are very loud, but sometimes people like to have them just because they protect other animals. But I wouldn't have them if you have neighbors who would be opposed to hearing them yelling all day long.
0: Right. Yeah, they're worse than roosters for sure. I do want to, before we wrap it up, I do want to have Kari tell us about her books.
1: Okay. Okay yeah i have a couple of books and the two latest ones i've got city farming book which is a how-to guide to growing food and raising animals in urban spaces specifically so you can get a hold of that anywhere any books are sold you can find it there All right and then more recently than that i i wrote a A gardening journal that has a lot of information for beginning gardeners and also helps you to track different things that you might want to track in your garden and that's called the vegetable gardening tracker and logbook and also you can find that pretty much anywhere I know that greatamericanseedup.org sometimes has copies there so I'd check that first but if you don't find it there then you can look on Amazon Barnes & Noble or Anywhere else.
0: Support local when you can.
2: That's what this program is all about. <clears throat> CityFarmingBook.com, Carrie Spencer, thanks for coming down this Saturday morning. Farmer Greg, you Thank you, thank you for having us. Thank you all. It's Rosie on the house every Saturday morning. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast.